0: Hey, I'm Mason King, host of the IBJ podcast. And before we get into this week's episode, I want to tell you about the newest podcast from IBJ Media called Off the Record with the Indiana 250. In each episode, IBJ Media CEO Nate Feldman talks with a different leader on the Indiana 250 list of the state's most influential leaders. They discuss their vision for Indiana's future, their experiences in business, and their advice for other aspiring entrepreneurs. New episodes are released on select Thursdays. So go subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform so you can never miss an episode. Just search the Indiana 250 off the record. Thanks. This is the IBJ podcast for the week of October the 30th, 2023, brought to you by Taft. I'm your host, Mason King. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. On occasion, we have guests on the podcast who don't need much of an introduction for local residents, and this is certainly one of them. Our guest this week is Debbie Knox, certainly one of the longest tendered TV news anchors in Indiana history. She has been on the air in Indianapolis, with the exception of a short break, since 1980 when she joined Wish TV Channel 8. She worked as a reporter and anchor for 33 years until retiring in late 2013. As you likely know, it didn't stick. She soon was recruited to help launch the newscasts for CBS4, which had taken over the city's CBS network affiliation from Wish TV. She was paired with veteran news anchor Bob Donaldson and meteorologist Chris Wright starting in January 2015. Earlier this month, she announced that her second stint in TV news would come to an end with her second shot at retirement, now set for November the 30th. The Michigan native will be 70 years old in February and has a long list of places around the globe she wants to visit when she isn't spending time with her granddaughter, now 18 months old. Still, she's concerned, a bit concerned, about being able to shake what she calls an addiction to breaking news. On this week's edition of the IBJ podcast, Knox takes the opportunity to share a wide-angle view of her career, including the most difficult and most rewarding days on the job. She shares stories from her interviews with world leaders, such as Mikhail Gorbachev and Desmond Tutu. And she also discusses how TV news has changed over four decades and its value now in relation to all of the other available news sources. Here's our conversation. It's my pleasure to welcome to the podcast Debbie Knox, news anchor for CBS Four in Indianapolis. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for taking time today.
1: It's a pleasure to be with you and to talk with you on this podcast. And I've I've looked forward to spending the spending the morning, at least a few minutes here with you. I think we'll have
0: fun. <laughs> I want to start with a little thought experiment. Uh, okay. We'll see how we'll see how this goes. Uh, to, All right, I give listeners a sense of what it's like inside the head of somebody who has spent their entire career in local journalism. Mm -hmm. So here's the scenario. You are at home. You are not working. Mm You're off of work. Maybe Mm -hmm. you're having a late dinner and you hear several sirens for emergency vehicles, probably (laughs) a few blocks away. Yeah. Yeah. Is your first response a Mm -hmm. instinctively look for a notebook while thinking to yourself, huh? That could be a good fire. <laughs> B, call the station, make sure they know about it and then see what they know about it. Uh-huh. Or C, say thank God I am not working right now. Now all of those answers are correct. Where <laughs> yes. are you in the continuum?
1: Uh, I'd be still, even if I'm, I'm retired, I'm at uh, at both A and B on that one. I, I have stopped at accidents when I'm off duty and, and pulled out my little notepad and see if I can take notes. A lot of cops won't talk to you in the middle of that, but I'll try. And I will call this, I'd call this. I mean, it's so much in my blood. I don't think I can not do that immediately. That's been something that I've thought about. It's like, how am I going to transition to this kind of whole different, weird, not being on top of things especially breaking news stories like that so um that's going to take a little little thought and you know and i guess patience with myself to shift out of that mode but it's going to be tough cuz mm-hmm. my first instinct has has been for years to if it's happening go to it you know it, the, so i'll i'll see how that goes i'll let you know
0: you know right. yeah so so we'll address the sense of deja vu in the room this is not the first time that you have attempted to retire. That's right. Uh, What did you learn about yourself back in, was it 2013,
1: 2014? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I had worked at Wish for 33 years and, and I was tired. I had been working there 33 years. So it wasn't like I just quit after a few months or something. So um, I decided to say, well, I'll just say, I'll just say goodbye. And I'm, you know, i Thought well, I'll just you know naively I can just live on my 401k for the rest of my days and everything's going to be just peachy. So that's what I did. So I decided I'll just I'll just preemptively get ahead of the game, not not put myself in a place where I'd be might be embarrassed. So I just went ahead and said, okay, time to go. I get it.
0: And explain to us again how was it that you ended up on CBS4?
1: Well, after I retired, that was during 2014. Basically, I was uh, the day that I learned that, these, that Wish had lost the CBS affiliation. I was up in Chicago and I was helping my son move into an apartment, and he was in law school at the time. And I got a phone call from Mark Patrick, who I'd worked with at Wish. And he's, of course, he's been on Q95 and the Hoosier Lottery Show and all this other stuff. And he said, Hey, guess what happened? And I said, What? And he said, uh, Wish lost the affiliation. It looks like it's going to WTTV, Channel 4. And I went, Oh, well, that's interesting. Couple weeks later, I get a DM from Bob Donaldson. And he said, Hey, would, would you be interested in taking a meeting with the news director at Fox 59 and soon to be CBS4? And I said, I'll always take the meeting, you know, always, always take a meeting and see what happens. I had a non-compete, you know, that was in place. So I couldn't, I knew I wasn't gonna be going anywhere immediately. So it just sort of went from there. Um, we sat down, and and I talked with Carrie Kavanaugh at the time, and she realized that I had more time, that I could not be on the air. I, they didn't go on the air officially until January 1st of 2015. So that's how it kind of came to be. I, You know, I, I had had time to rest. I'd had time to kind of, you know, just think and thought, well, I think I still got something to give here. It's a different kind of environment. Uh, I thought my it's still in the same town where my family is and everything is so it, it seemed like a like it might be a good good change for me so mm-hmm. that's what that's what happened
0: and so you end up staying almost 10 years
1: yeah eight years eight years okay. from uh, basically yeah, yeah 2015 to this the you know november 30th of 2023 so it, yeah
0: was it what you wanted it to be
1: yeah i you know if i you know i i Always kind of wish through COVID, you I, you you almost like couldn't you couldn't almost do stories anymore. It was, all had to be zooms or you know, and it was just difficult because they, there were people moving around. You didn't have access, you know. anything. I, 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 I would have liked to have spent that time doing more reporting during the COVID time, but it's it was very difficult. So yeah, but I, I think generally to to get in. Uh, with a station at the ground level, which is kind of what we were doing at that point with CBS. You know, TTV has been around for a long time, but getting this thing going with a CBS affiliation was a challenge, and it's been pretty cool to watch it. It's, you know, we're not number one, but in, in the short amount of time that we've been on the air, we've done pretty darn well, and I think a, a great strength for Fox 59 because we are partners, we're owned by the same company. So, I it's it's been it's been fun to see. Different photographers, different reporters that I'd watched for a long time, like Russ McQuaid, Bob Donaldson, all these folks that I'd known. So it was just kind of fun to be in a different environment and see how it works.
0: So take me to Mm -hmm. to your latest decision. Why have you decided Mm -hmm. now's the time to retire for sure?
1: Well, (laughs) (laughs) hey, you know, bottom line is I'm going to be 70 in February. You know, when I got into this business, I didn't think I was going to last past 40. I mean, I honestly, I thought, okay back in the day it was like okay uh you are going to maybe last to 40 45 and then you'll be kind of on your way out and that didn't go that way so but i'm i'm looking at 70 now and i'm also have a 18 uh, month old granddaughter who is just mm-hmm. a barrel of fun that i'm I absolutely enjoy seeing her every day that i can see her and i you know i really do want to do some other projects I'd like to collaborate with some other folks the opportunities that might come along and travel a bit and do all that kind of stuff and shift shift back into something that would be, you know, kind of fun, but, you know, keep me kind of a little bit of a finger in it, but not, not full time
0: by any means. So we'll see. Here's a giant question for you. So you mentioned you started in 1980 at wish. Yeah, Yep. How is being a TV newscaster and anchor the same as it was 42 years ago. And then, of course, I'm going to ask how it's different. But I mean, do you think that there's some elements of it that are basically the same?
1: Yeah, you know, it's still a newscast, you know, and there's a lot of a lot of talk and there has been a lot of talk about that sort of diminishing and going by the wayside and you know your viewer demographics are changing and that sort of thing so a newscast is generally a newscast we have different bells and whistles and different size monitors and better lighting and there's you know robotic cameras and you know everything you know and, and there's some upgrades and and you know certainly that's all happened and it's the same Uh, You know, it's obviously different, which you're going to get to is the whole digital side of it. You know, when I started out in the business, I was editing on film. I, back in back in the day at uh, WSJP, back in El- Elkhart South Bend market, which I was in in the beginning, um, I was editing film. I was actually cutting film and taping it and doing whatever you have to do. And now it's all Lord, you know, you gotta you gotta know how almost how to code in order to <laughs> get video into a system, out of a system, access it. You know, it's just a whole different mm-hmm. ballgame. So that's that's the big change.
0: I so. would assume it is faster like what we do in in yes. print journalism. Yeah. I yeah. mean the, this difference in speed is like you know uh oh, yeah. the right brothers versus you know the yes.
1: concord. Yes, absolutely true. Absolutely true. It's got to be now. It's got to be on the website. It's got to be you got to be tuned into that all the time the pace of it at, at you're right about that. It's absolutely increased. That's absolutely mm-hmm. true compared is, to back in the back in the day.
0: Is that a good thing? Bad thing? Other
1: Well, you know, it cuts both ways. You know, you, you can get information out there. you got to be careful, obviously that it's not misleading or misinformation. And I'm just, you know, we need to, I think, I think our industry really has to talk a lot about the dangers of misinformation and, and, um, that's a whole nother discussion, but uh, it it worries me. So yeah, I think it's important to, because people have their phones, just like we're talking on, they want to know what's going on immediately, but you know, it, that there's inherent dangers and all that too. It scares me, scares me a bit, scares me about what's going on.
0: Given all the new sources of information that people Mm -hmm. have, like, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, when I was a kid and I was watching you Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and all the, all the folks back then, yeah. I, I, I delivered an afternoon newspaper and then I would come home and I would, watch and I would watch how, the news. So we had cool two sources of, yeah. I have 5, sources of information. Now I have about 5,000 sources of information. Has that changed the role of, you think, of the of, of TV newscast or the value of a TV newscast?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, we, it's very, you know, I mean, you know, we all, we both know, I mean, you're know, going on at five o'clock, who, who's going to wait until five o'clock to get their news anymore? Nobody, you know, none of us, you know, and it, it, but it, it also can be the new, the information of record if we're careful and and we are, we make sure that we're as reliable and in, in our information is, is straightforward as it, as it can be. So I, I like all of it. I, I like the fastness of it I I have to admit I you know I'm checking my phone all the time like everybody else but I also like the I like the the newscaster record of the day to, to kind of get a summary of everything and then I love things like 60 minutes that are like long story you know well told well edited pieces that are just feel good when you, when you listen to them and, and you hear what's being said. And we have, and even at uh, CBS Core, we got some phenomenal people that can do that. So I like it all. It's a huge menu. You can pick and choose. There's, there's no one way, but it's, 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 you know, when, you, once you get into news, you know, you have to admit it's like, it's like, you can't get away from it. It's like an addiction and you just can't let it go. And that's my biggest fear about retiring to be quite frank is I, I got it. You know, I yeah. got it. it fades. So <laughs> help me. I'm doing, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. It's all going to be good. You know, it's all going to be good.
0: What um, are, are you telling the young people that are coming into the business right now? Are, are you hearing from them that they're afraid that that this won't be here in 10 years? Or I mean, what, what kind of take do you have for them on what they need to be doing in their careers?
1: Uh, that they need to work for themselves. And that means, you know, make sure all your skills are in place. Um, for editing and all that sort of thing, but like, man, also just have a, a curiosity about the world. Have you ever worked around people that you know they 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 work and they kind of go through the motions and you know, but it's like, man, if you don't have this kind of passion for finding information helping people understand the world then it's probably not going to be a good fit because that's still that's still there and it's needed now i think as much as as much as any time so if you have this passion and i see people with it i also see people that don't have it i you need to have that desire to immerse yourself and to really understand what you're doing and who you're reporting on and get behind the scenes keep digging find 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 out information but also keep your technical skills up because Let's face it, digital is digital and it is, you know, it's important and it's where things are going. So, you got to you got to you got to be a worker bee. You know, you really have to be a worker bee on every level and you got to love it, you know.
0: What was it when you were growing up that made you want to be a journalist?
1: Well, I I lived, you know, my dad was a was a doc and he was practicing in a small town up there and it was a small town. It was a cute little Edwardsburg but nothing was going on. And it used to, as a kid, I remember, I remember as a kid wanting to know more about the world at a very fairly young age, like middle school. I wanted to, I wanted to hear more about it. My dad would get this out and my parents would get South Bend Tribune* and the Elkhart truth. And I'd kind of look through it and start, you know, but it was, it was kind of at that point wasn't, I wasn't, I knew I did. I knew what I did. I didn't know a lot. So I just was, I wanted to learn more. I wanted to learn more, and I I knew that journalism was a way to learn more about the world. And so I got real interested in it at, at that age, really.
0: Okay, let's take a quick break so we can hear from our sponsor. This is the IBJ podcast. Taft, today's modern law firm. With more than 800 attorneys in eight primary Midwest markets and the District of Columbia, we provide solutions to the business issues facing middle market and emerging companies alike. We do this through a highly collaborative and inclusive team approach. Taft, the modern law firm. To learn more, visit taftlaw.com. All right we're back with this week's edition of the IBJ podcast and my interview with Indianapolis newscast and legend Debbie Knox. I do not been a journalist. What would you have been?
1: Oh God oh geez. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I know my my parents would have liked to like for me to go on into medical school but I couldn't hack that I couldn't I couldn't do that. I, I'm not absolutely sure I don't know. This just I just love this. I can't imagine doing, you know, God, business is a whole nother layer of, you know, I know I know that I would I would lo- I would love to do more. I would love to learn more about um, politics. I would love to learn more about history, maybe more academic stuff, you know. Yeah. History and that sort of thing. I, I I probably would have gone back to school and maybe gotten a, a master's or PhD or something, and maybe at that level, because I just the the quest to learn more has just been with me for a long time. So maybe something in that direction.
0: What can you not do because you're a TV journalist and a public figure? For example, I can I cannot like have yard signs. <laughs> I, I can't I can't express any opinion That's about right. any news. Uh, any kind of news, uh, event, uh, or issue. However, mm-hmm. I can go anywhere in the city and nobody cares who I am. <laughs> I don't know. if you. Yeah. Have the same right. Right. Experience.
1: I'm in the same boat. I don't, I would never have a yard sign. I have not contributed to any political parties. Never wouldn't, would never do that. on um, have never voted in a primary. I vote in general elections with, you know, all that sort of thing. And our, you know, our newscasts are are pretty much straight ahead, you know, kind of the news of the day. We don't do opinion and that sort of thing. And so I, I just, you know, make sure even in social media, I stay, try to general, you know, what CBS Four is covering the day of. I, you know, we do a lot of crimey things, and so that gets posted. But yeah, I gotta be, you have to be very, you know, very careful about that. And uh, you know, I'm in the same boat. You're you are. You just you just don't go there.
0: You know. Yeah. yeah I mean is. Is there something that you are now looking forward to being able to do?
1: Yeah, I I would I would like I would like to know, you know, I think with the 2024 elections coming up and then I listen to a lot of things. And just I would like to be I would like to be more involved in making sure, you know, uh, how do I say this? <laughs> I would like to I would like to be helpful Um and, um, maybe, you know, even, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, if I say anything, it's going to sound like I want to get involved in politics necessarily, but I, I guess I want to, I want to be more and maybe like be, a uh, work at the polls or a, a be a kind of bring my civic duty up to speed here so that I can be helpful. I don't want to jump on anybody's bandwagon and get people riled up, but to be helpful, in our democracy, I guess, and in our, our civic duty, you know, I hope, I hope that I can do some of that, you know, at some level, I haven't figured it all out, but I feel like there's hopefully, the, the, you know, that there might be some, a place for me to, to be. So, but right now that's not happening until not I'm done with, done with work.
0: Over your, your whole career mm-hmm. in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. what was, what was the most difficult day to be a local newscaster?
1: Probably 9-11, because uh, that just affected, that was just, that shook me to the core. That was like a Pearl Harbor moment for all of us. And we all knew where we were at the time and that sort of thing. I had two young children. You just did the the, the watching what was unfolding on TV that morning. And then, you know, and then actually, you know, it's just, it's just, it, the news coverage was just, you know, it's un- it was unbelievable at the time. So I would have to say that COVID was pretty scary too, especially, you know, kind of figuring out, you know what you could and couldn't do, and how to stay safe, and that's in, and again be care being careful about information. But I'd have to say nine eleven, and it, and it you know I didn't I have been to the site now numerous times. I didn't cover it when it was happening, but um, that 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 shook me to my core. It was pretty stunning day, you know, locally. Yeah, you know it was unbelievable. I don't, know you I don't know if you covered this back in the '80s. We had we had that fighter jet that went into the hotel out by the airport. Right. That was that was a heck of a breaking news moment. I think seven or eight people killed in that, and Bob Knight being fired. That was huge. I mean, that was just absolutely huge. The Colts coming to town, huge. Reggie Miller playing in those playoff games and, and Butler having that great you know time at 2010 and 2011. So all those things were just standouts for me. So
0: is there one day that stays out as the greatest day? I mean, it could have been somebody you're interviewing or like, uh-huh. you're like man, we got that story.
1: Yeah. I, uh, well, it, you know, it, it just real quickly. Yeah. So I so back um, a number of years ago, this is when I was, of course, at Wish TV, I gotten word that uh, Nobel uh, winner Archbishop Desmond Tutu was going to come to Indianapolis. So this is before, you know, emails and all this other sort of stuff. So I, I attempted to get a hold of him in South Africa because I knew he was going to be in Indianapolis. I know oh, this would be really cool to get him. This is very early on. You know, so um, never heard back. Called his secretary. They never, never made contact with him. I said, okay, he's coming to Indy. There's no chance I'm going to get him. You know, I'm just. It'd just be cool to say that I interviewed. You know, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, and um, it was. So he got to Indianapolis. Went to the convention center. Gave a speech. And then there was this little adjunct room where all the media was and everything were all stand. I went to that. I thought, well, heck, I'm going to at least see what he says. and he's a he's a t- he was a tiny man yeah and very uh just just it was just really cool guy. and he walked in and he gave he took a few questions from ABC and NBC, and the networks were all covering him at that point. And at the end, he said, "Um, is Debbie Knox here? you know <laughs> And I was, I mean, I was shocked, and I was i got access i did a a personal interview with him now this is before i had. i would have taken pictures and all sorts of stuff i didn't you know so um i got to do a a very i was it was a little it was an interview with him and i was so emotionally tied up i was almost tearful when i was interviewing i mean i was was just nervous but that was kind of a cool moment to get to get him and to think that he he actually circled back and remembered that, that I wanted to talk to him. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed that day. That was day, the, and then, you know, just crazy stuff. I interviewed, uh, I've interviewed um, president Obama at the white house and when he was a candidate and um, I, I, I interviewed, um, oh gosh, and gosh, um, not, not, well, I didn't interview Bob Knight. I got, he did a, he did a wonderful favor for me, but uh, Brad Stevens, I did an interview mm. with and that, there's a whole other story of that, but anyway, you may not want to know all this. <laughs> I there's been a lot of fun interviews I've gotten to do so over the years, mm. including Sa- Sammy Davis up and in, in, over in Bosnia when the National Guard was over there. And Suzanne Mubarak, uh, first lady of Egypt, I got to interview her very, you know, it was kind of an interview because the Children's Museum was involved with the building of a children's museum at the time in Egypt. And so I got to interview her. So anyway, this is interesting. I've done, done some fun stuff. All, all of it. Very interesting to me.
0: I want to go back real quick because I'd forgotten to ask you about this. Mikhail Gorbachev.
1: Oh, that,
0: yeah. <laughs> you right, interviewed but... Mikhail Gorbachev. I did. Tell, tell me that story. I've, I've heard. I've heard the story, but I'm not sure I've heard it from you.
1: Yeah. So um, it, the connection to Mikhail Gorbachev was actually Diane Meyer Simon, who was then the wife of Herb Simon, and she went to Butler University, and she was involved in a, a Green Cross, I believe it was that he was starting up after he left uh, Russia or being the you know the head of Russia. So. I was, I knew Diane and she said, well, hey, you know, Herb and I are going to host Mikhail Gorbachev out in California. So I said, really? She said, I think I could get an interview for I think I could make a connection for you. And I thought, well, okay. So I, me and my news, my, my photographer, Jim Hester, went out to Beverly Hills, chased Mikhail Gorbachev all over the place with big goose egg interview. Nothing, nothing. It was during the OJ Simpson trial. So I, we drove over by the OJ Simpson, you know, the house where all that, the murders happened. And oh, it was just, anyway, so that was, didn't, I didn't get what I wanted. I got an interview with Diane, but I wanted Mikhail Gorbachev. So, anyway, so m- months or a year or so, whenever later, Diane got Mikhail to come to Butler University. And I thought, gosh darn it, I'm, I'm going to nail, I'm going to go after this again and redeem myself, you know. So, um, I got an interview with him here in Indianapolis and, I, and, and um, interviewed him downtown and uh, he had his translator with him. So it was a very slow interview. And I wanted him more to talk about the connections um, more to, you know, the Simon family in Indianapolis, if there was any. And, you know, but he wanted to talk about some of the issues that he was involved in. Um, so it was I would say it was an OK interview. I'd give myself about a B, B minus on it. Only because I I felt like I was going to get more, but through the translator, it just, it was a very slow interview and he kind of, you know, like a lot of politicians, they want to talk what they want to talk about. So, but it was cool
0: to meet him. I thought that he was, I thought he was a pretty good English speaker.
1: He is, but he wouldn't do it with me. He wouldn't do it. No, I had a camera. He doesn't, you know, so I had a camera. I was going to, you know, we were going to, we were there to interview him and he did agree to sit down, but his translator it translated for him so it just it just it just you know he, he was a fat he's fat listen fascinating guy i'm glad i i got to speak with him but um you know it, I, I wanted more but i i understand now how these things work a little bit better so you know it's not exactly they want to bear their soul to <laughs> Debbie Hall, you know they're, they're yeah. you know they got their own things too but he was he's an interesting fascinating guy you know
0: when is your last day
1: november 30th And I will be done at six 30 at night there. I'm I'm not going to do the 11 o'clock that night. I'll do this.
0: I'll do six to six thirty. 30. So, so what are are the plans immediately after,
1: you know, uh, there's going to be a little retirement party, I think, uh, December in early, early December, but I don't know, it might be just going over to some over to Gatsby's or something close by and giving everybody a a hug and a kiss and love you all and, and encourage people. And, you know, um, Thank just be so thankful for the opportunity I've had here. I've really had a, a wonderful career here. I'm very happy about it. So for the most part, you know, it's you know, all
0: good. You, you probably get asked to like be on boards of directors uh for local organizations mm-hmm. or, or you know, or to serve local not not for profits in some way. Have you been a approached by anybody?
1: Them. Yeah, I have. You? And I've not, yeah, I have. And I've I, it's again, that kind of gets into the politics of stuff and how you can cover. I, so I've I have had a couple of in, invitations and sort of said, nah, I don't think so. So I'm yeah. I'm good. Wanted to kind of stay stay out of that. But I who knows what'll happen now. I don't know if I'm not oh, yeah.
0: So you haven't made any commitments for the future. <laughs> no. But- no, 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 not
1: like that. No, no, no.
0: No. Okay. Now I know you want to travel. Give me your top three destinations.
1: Yeah. Well, I've got a trip uh, that is uh, planned, and I'm going with the Butler Choir um, down to South America in May of 2024. Yeah, I know what? the guy. That, yeah, I know. I, I know it's a whole Eric Stark is the guy that heads this up, and he is putting it together. And so I jumped on board. Um, so my partner and I are gonna we're gonna go to South America and toward the end of May. I'm gonna art. I'm uh, gonna go to. Uh, England, uh, the first week of February. I've got a friend who's got a, a flat over there, and and we're going to meet some friends for just a sh- short time. I want to celebrate my career with my family, maybe out in Colorado in March, early March. That's still sort of in the planning phases, but I'd love to go to I'd love to go to the Far East. I'd like to see love to go to New Zealand and Australia, but also Japan and, and some of the, the countries over there. I'd like to go to Poland. Um, I do want to make, I want to, I want to go see, I have this weird, you know, not weird, but I, you know, I want to know more about history and what happened, you know, see, go to Auschwitz, make a pilgrimage there, I guess. It's, it's, um, you know, this, just just want to I think I, I, I need to see that. So yeah, I thought those are some of the things I want to do. It's just, uh, I love France. I, I know I'll go back to France. I have friends in, in the UK. I'll, I know at some point I'll go over there. So, but it's, you know, I'm going to take it as it comes. And those are some on, on the horizon at this point.
0: When you, when you retired from Wish, what was that last day like? That was uh
1: boy I I got a, I got a great send off. I, I god they were they were kind. They really were. They they went all out. I had a little party at the station and you know people were invited and it was uh, you know it was a very nice it was a very nice send off and it was they were kind to me and wonderful and all the people there and uh, you know people from other stations came and 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 you know said goodbye and that sort of thing. And I, you know, I was all, that was where I was going. And that was, so it was very nice. And I ended up getting together a couple of times with some of the people in, you know, production and, you know, cre- the creative services department and, and just chatted it up and drank some champagne and said, okay, see ya. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then that was the end. I thought that was, it was, I thought that was the end. So anyway, right. it, worked, it worked out okay.
0: Well, I wish you the best. Uh, Thank the you. Thank you. And, uh, and, and safe travels and, yeah. and hopefully uh, we will have reason to uh, connect again we have something yeah. exciting going on in the future
1: hey i'm all about that and i'll let you know and uh, i'll continue to, to tune into your pod. keep it going you're doing a good job you really are <laughs> well, i'm mason. learning i'm learning more now than you know especially the business side it's been great to, to hear so okay. all
0: well, right thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it
1: mason take care it's nice talking to you
0: My thanks again to Debbie Knox. And folks, before you get on with the rest of your week, there are a few stories in the latest issue of IBJ I want to draw to your attention. First up, for four months, the southwestern quadrant of Monument Circle has been closed to traffic in favor of hosting a temporary park intended to make downtown more comfortable for residents, workers, and visitors. But Taylor Wooten reports that nearby businesses are split on whether Spark on the Circle is worth continuing. Also in this week's issue, John Russell reports on the growing use of therapy dogs in hospitals around central Indiana to reduce patient stress and help in the healing process. And Daniel Bradley details plans for the $250 million Grand Universe Science and Space Experience Campus in Westfield. And again, you can find these stories in the latest print edition of IBJ or online at IBJ.com. And thanks again for making time this week for the IBJ podcast. I'm Mason King. Hang in there, everybody. We'll be back again next week.